0: Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Deontra Nicolette. If you're new here, my love, welcome. I'm super excited to have you tuned in for your first ever episode of Manifest Daily. And of course, if you're an OG listener, y'all, you know the vibes, okay? Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, boy. Hey. What's poppin'? What's good? Welcome back to another episode of your fave. So my loves, we are back, okay, to the OG couch setup if you guys are watching on YouTube. I remember when I first started recording the podcast on video, I did it from my couch just cuz like there's a vibe. You know, when you're on your couch, when you're chilling, it's like we sitting down, we we spilling tea, we having us a good conversation. It's giving very much girls night in vibes, although it's definitely bright outside is the middle of the day it's saturday morning but it's giving girls night in okay so my loves today we're talking all about shadow work which i'm so excited for i know you guys have been waiting for this episode ever since i essentially announced it on instagram that i was going to do this i actually had this idea come in from a subscriber of the podcast so thank you so much for sending that in i really like when you guys like submit ideas to me through dms or even on like youtube comments or something like that simply because because obviously I'm seeing things from my point of view and some of the things that I do in my particular routine or some of the things that I am doing to create and manifest my dream life I don't always like think to make an episode about it because it's almost so second nature that I forget that the information can be valuable and that's one of the things like a little piece of wisdom about to come in for you guys, okay? But, like, sometimes the things that you take for granted that you can do so, so easily, those are often the things that you are very talented in. And you might just think, oh, okay, like everyone knows how to do this or like this isn't even a skill like this is so easy because it comes so naturally to you but like look to those things that do come naturally to you as things that you might want to dive deeper in become an expert in teach others because those are literally your natural talents or those are literally the things that you have been gifted with yeah I am excited for us to talk about shadow work today I feel like we're gonna get into some good stuff but of course before we dive in I want to do a little recap for you guys of the work trip that I went on because a couple different things happened on that trip that I want to dive into, dissect, um, spill tea about okay? Spill tea. So strap in, grab your water, grab your tequila. My iced coffee is sitting over there on my coffee table, and very fitting, right? Iced coffee on the coffee table. And I'm looking at it and honestly, it's not, it's not enticing me. Okay. Y'all, I went to Duncan, okay, and Duncan is not as prevalent here as it is in Massachusetts. So like I feel like I see Starbucks literally everywhere. Starbucks is like every other corner, but Duncan not so much. But there's a Duncan by my gym, right? So I go to Duncan's this morning. And I'm like, let me get me a latte, okay? I'm feeling vibes, you know? I'm trying to do a little post-workout meal, if you will. So I go and I get my iced coffee. And first of all, I had to wait a minute because I think they forgot about my order, but like... You know, I'm not a Karen like that. I'm not going to sit there and, like, yell at the people and complain. Because, like, obviously, they're busy. They're running the drive through They're, you know, running the restaurant. And, like, I'm just, I'm like, you know, I got time, whatever. So I wait. Finally, they look at me. They're like, hey, like, are you waiting for something? Because I was totally in my own world at one point in time. Like, I was thinking about this particular episode and some of the things we are going to talk about. So I was, like, off into space. And they're like, are you waiting for something? I'm like, yeah, iced latte. So I get the latte. I get home first of all it looks light okay and i'm not guys also if you hear the cicadas outside they get wild out here i don't know what's going on with them but they get very wild i appreciate that cicadas are more so like they like to be heard not seen because i don't really see them a lot i've only seen like one injured slash possibly dead cicada around here and they look terrifying up front but you don't really see them they're, they're up in the trees making their noise whatever so anyways so i got my iced coffee and I get home. I'm like, it's looking a little light. You know what I'm saying? I do like me a little cream, whatever. Not cream, but like oatmeal creamer in my coffee. I like a, a little flavor, a little sugar to my coffee. But I don't like it that light. So I go doing my shower, whatever, whatever, getting ready to film this episode. And I come out. What did I tell you? i take a sip of that iced coffee. Baby girl, oh my God. It was a mess. First of all, caramel, caramel syrup, Where? she was missing she was missing in action someone put a bolo out because where is my girl i i mean I, where is my girl caramel missing oh like it was basically i got a cup of coffee flavored milk is what happened. Like coffee flavored oat milk. So I had to pull out my, well not pull out my espresso. it literally sits on the counter. I didn't pull it out, <laughs> but I did um, brew two shots of espresso. I added like my little syrups. I have a little coffee bar situation. So I added my syrups to that and try to like, bring this latte to life i was like she's giving very much milk and you know needless to say i failed that's why the coffee is sitting over there on the coffee table looking very sad looking very just confused about who its identity like it's like am i milk am i coffee baby i don't know but i don't i don't think i'm gonna finish it (laughs) y'all i'm feeling very chatty and i'm kind of terrified because I have a movie to go see at 12.15. I'm finally seeing Top Gun. I know. I'm like so late. Don't come for me. I really wanted to see Where the Crawdads Sing, but for some reason it's not showing in my theater This weekend, very annoying. So I'm seeing Top Gun. That's at 12.15. It's 11.13 right now. (laughs) And we didn't even get into the shadow work. We didn't even get into it. So I'm going to try to be concise. I'm going to try to keep it together. But I am like vibing with this right now. This is why I want to come back on the couch. Okay, the vibes are immaculate on the couch. (laughs) Netflix and chill but podcast edition. Okay, let's talk about the work trip. So I go on a work trip. If y'all don't follow on Instagram, I went to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Never been to Michigan a day in my life. Literally, I kept saying Minnesota. Like, I was at the airport, and I was chatting with this lady in the Starbucks line. She's like, oh, where are you headed? I'm like, Minnesota. And I'm like, why did I even say that? And then I said, like... um, I said some other state, Minneapolis. That's not a state, but then I was like saying Minneapolis. Like I was saying everything under the sun except Grand Rapids, Michigan. So that's where I went. It was a travel conference. So y'all know, or maybe you don't know. So I work in the travel industry, in social media, but like in the travel industry. And so we were there for a conference. And I was there with uh, my CEO and a couple other folks um, who are also on the leadership team at the company. And I was really nervous going into this trip. If you, were receiving any of my voice notes during the time before this trip you would know that I was literally so nervous that I felt like I was gonna throw up like I almost was just like I I want something to happen for me to not be able to go like not something super bad but I was like oh I kind of want my flight to be canceled or I want this to happen because I was just so so nervous and I think the reason that I was nervous is that in previous trips I've gone on for work, I've gone with people on my team. And so, you know, it's been a little bit more lax and chill, but like going with other folks on the leadership team, especially my CEO, this would be the second time that I've met him. I was just really nervous. And also this is a really big conference within the travel industry, like all of the DMOs, which are destination marketing organizations. So basically whatever state or city you live in probably has a DMO. um, And that DMO is essentially uh part of like the tourism board to market that destination so you know if you ever see like campaigns around like visit dallas or i don't know visit nashville things like that it's it's through a dmo it's through these organizations that literally are paid money and have an entire business around marketing their specific destination and getting tourists to come and visit and essentially like boost the economy of that destination again really big event I was super super nervous and I get there like I fly in flight was totally cool did not get canceled did not get delayed because I know a lot of people had that issue coming in and I get there and upon the first night of me being there I had a bunch of things out to my calendar so we were doing these happy hours where we were again like you know networking with some of the major DMOs that. We we're trying to land client deals with, and then we also had dinners with them. So there was a happy hour on my thing, and I was literally in this panic throughout the weekend, or not the weekend. It was literally Sunday. I was there from Sunday to Wednesday. So throughout the days that I was there, we go to these events, we go to these dinners, we're networking, we're looking, we're going to these sessions where we're learning about marketing and you know um, tourism and all the things and all the research and data. And there were several moments when I was at a happy hour or at a dinner specifically, where people you know obviously people are doing intros and so people are introducing themselves and my boss would be like oh this is Deandra she's our director of social media and brand engagement and she manages our social team and he's like you know she's her and her team are responsible for the almost 10 million followers that we have across on TikTok specifically and um, he's just kind of like building me up and saying all these amazing things about me and the team and the work that I've done and one of the dinner specifically, I remember him being like, you know, one thing, he was saying things that he really appreciated about me. And he was like, one of the things that I love about Deandra is her ambition, because he goes... When she came into the role, she set up a meeting for us to talk about goals. Because I'm very goal-oriented. Like, y'all know I'm very much like, what are the goals? How are we going to get there? Like, let's break it down. I'm the same way when I chat with my CEO. I'm like, what's your vision? What's the goals? I need to have that conversation with you so that I could, like, break down those goals and then break down the tasks for the team. He was like... She's so ambitious. She came in, and instead of being like, oh, you know, and at the time when I came into um, our company, we had about 30,000 TikTok followers. We had, a, a, you know, different numbers across the board, but I set these goals that were very ambitious. But to me, when I came in, it wasn't that I was setting ambitious goals and it wasn't that I was trying to stir the pot because I did a lot of things in my first couple of months of the company where I was like, no, like, let's get rid of this software. Let's bring this in. Let's hire this person. Let's do this. Let's create a workflow for this. It was more that I was, you know, as a new person on the team, seeing the gaps and seeing where we needed to step things up. And he was talking about how he really appreciated that of me and of the way that I approach running the team. It had me just sitting with that and not from a place of like ego where like, oh my gosh, like. but I was truly sitting with that and understanding that imposter syndrome is truly blinding. Like imposter syndrome will have you thinking that you are incompetent, that you are unworthy, that you are not deserving of the things that you are creating and calling into your life, or even the things that you have now. Like I've literally had so many moments where I'm an anxious mess about my job. And I'm thinking about like, oh my God, you know, I'm panicking about this. I'm panicking about that. And when I really sit with those moments, especially taking in all the things, all the feedback that I got from my boss, I'm like, I'm doing a phenomenal job. Like, I'm literally doing a phenomenal job, but almost like rose-colored glasses. You know how they say, like, when you're super in love or you're wearing the rose-colored glasses, like, you can't see a person's red flag because, like, the the glasses are rose-colored, right? Same thing with imposter syndrome. When you were experiencing that imposter syndrome, like, Anything that you do, any accomplishment that you have, any way that you are doing amazing things in your life, you almost feel as if you're not doing enough. It almost feels like you have to push harder, try harder. You have to Get yourself to damn near the edge of burnout, if not burnout itself, before you feel as if you are deserving. And that is the mindset that I personally am working to truly eradicate. And I know I have so many imposter syndrome episodes and I've talked about it so many different times on here. But another thing to note is that the people that feel imposter syndrome more often than not are the people that are actually doing some dope ass shit. Like if you are sitting there and you are feeling imposter syndrome about what you were doing, about your accomplishments, about your goals, you know what that tells me? That tells me that you're someone that's ambitious. That tells me that you're actually taking chances, that you're actually taking risks, that you're moving forward because nobody who is comfortable, who is stagnant, who is refusing to actually make progress in their life none of those people feel imposter syndrome all they do is feel comfort they're sitting back they're chilling they're not feeling the discomfort of attempting to move things forward in their life you know imposter syndrome not great it's not fun it's not it's not something that you want to continue feeling the goal is to work through that however what i'm seeing here is that imposter syndrome is a symptom of At least I see it as a symptom of greatness. Like I see it as a symptom of someone that knows they want the world, that knows they can have the world and when things may be moving in a certain way you you don't see it as clearly as someone who is like on the outside looking in and seeing your greatness may see it like I said not great to experience this truly when you're experiencing imposter syndrome and when you're experiencing these moments of perfectionism it is sort of like Being able to have that self-awareness to step back and be like, hmm, okay, this is not productive, this is not conducive, like it might have you feeling like trash, like, so that's something you do need to work through, but I want y'all to know that if you are experiencing imposter syndrome, it's almost like when we talk about reframing, yes, you can absolutely be working through that, be working on that, be taking steps to acknowledge your accomplishments, but at the same time, I want you to reframe it and understand that because you are pushing forward, because you are ambitious, because you are somebody who knows that they can manifest anything and everything that they want in this life through, you know, inspired action, perseverance, commitment, the work, the dedication, the belief, the gratitude, all of those things, because you're someone that knows that you can have it all, That. Part of the consequence of knowing that is that you have this ego that is pushing back, that is fighting you, that is attempting to tell you that you are not worthy of everything that you know you truly are worthy of. And the battle, the challenge, if you will, is learning how to quiet that voice, learning how to really understand that that voice is there, but it doesn't mean that the voice is telling you the truth okay? Imposter syndrome is not the truth. It's not your truth. It doesn't have to be if you don't want it to be, right? And more often than not, when you are feeling like an imposter, doesn't mean that you actually are. It means that you are doing a lot of amazing things and you're pushing forward in a beautiful way, but that ego is trying to, trying to come for you, okay? That ego is trying to come for you. Now, speaking of ego, y'all, these jeans are so tight that I'm wearing right now. Like, am like, trying not to cut off my circulation in my legs. Also, the cicadas. Oh my gosh. They are very, very active today. Very, very active. Anyways, I wanted to share that story because I think it ties in really wonderfully with some of the shadow work uh, stuff that we're going to talk about in a second. Ugh, let me adjust myself here. Okay. For those of you guys not watching, I had to like unfold my legs because my knees are are killing me. I have like the knees of a 90-year-old. Let's dive in. I have some notes here on my phone. We are going to dive into shadow work, okay? In this episode, we're talking about what shadow work is, how to actually do shadow work, and the benefits of shadow work. And I kind of want to also bring up something that may or, not, may or may not be a controversial take on shadow work and the ego, but we're going we're to dive into it, okay? So before we can talk about shadow work, we really have to talk about the shadow self and what the shadow self is so the shadow self is the parts of ourselves that we have essentially repressed so these are traits about ourselves that we don't really like they are things that can bring up feelings of shame feelings of anger feelings of guilt perhaps and so in order to really keep ourselves safe and in order to really feel as if we are you know the good person that we believe ourselves to be we will repress these traits into the unconscious and if you are unsure what the unconscious is I have an episode all about the subconscious where I talk about like the different levels of consciousness within our mind like this is definitely diving into psychology. These are the shadow self is essentially those parts of ourselves that we have repressed into the unconscious. Now the shadow is a term that was originally coined by psychologist Swiss psychologist Carl Jung. So I want to read you guys a quote from Carl Jung that I feel like will help you to better understand this idea of shadow and the shadow self. So according to Carl Jung the shadow is a moral process Problem that challenges the whole ego personality. For no one can become conscious of the shadow without considerable moral effort. To become conscious of it involves recognizing the dark aspects of the personality as present and real. This act is the essential condition for any kind of self-knowledge. So that quote from Carl Jung essentially sums up the basis of shadow work. Shadow work is literally the practice of uncovering and accepting those parts of ourselves that we don't like, the parts that bring Bring about feelings of shame or vulnerability or anger or guilt and in the process of uncovering and accepting those traits about ourselves we are essentially stepping into a more authentic version of ourselves so as humans we're not the greatest at seeing the traits within ourselves that we don't really like it's almost like again we're repressing these traits you know they are part of the shadow we're not acknowledging them on a daily basis like no one wants to sit here and be like oh like you know, I don't like this about myself and I don't like that about myself because it just doesn't make you feel good. But what we're really good at doing is actually identifying those traits within other people, seeing traits of our shadow self in other people is actually what Jung called projection. So when people talk about like, oh, you're projecting, this is literally what they're talking about. And according to Carl Jung, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Again, I talked about this in the subconscious episode where I'm literally diving into how changing your subconscious, like rewiring your subconscious is essentially the way that you are going to manifest your dream life. A lot of us think that when we are consciously taking action, when we decide to do something, when we decide to say something that we literally are moving from like a place of these very conscious beliefs. But what it is, is that you have subconscious beliefs that are running the shows. Okay. So this is like a random example, but I want to drive the point home here. So say if you grew up in a household where your parents were always like penny pinching. And you have this subconscious belief that money is scarce, that, you know, you need to always be like saving your money for something. You need to always be going for the cheapest thing. You need to, you know, always be like literally just hoarding money. You are going to, when you grow up, you're going to be making decisions from the place of that subconscious belief. So that is going to dictate everything from the kind of house you live in or the kind of apartment you live in to the kind of car that you drive to the way that you approach buying luxury items versus not buying luxury items, like you're literally going to be making every decision from that has to do with like finances from this place of believing that money is scarce. And that's why when we talk about manifesting more money, we have to talk about addressing the subconscious beliefs like the money mindset or the money stories that you're telling yourself in your subconscious mind. Because even though you may not like, you know, think about the times that you saw your parents doing something, you may not think about the times that they told you, you know, we have to save, money is scarce, like all those different things that they said to you when you're growing up. Even though you're not replaying those exact moments in your head when you make decisions that have to do with finances, the truth is that your subconscious belief about money is running the show. When you, you know, when you're always encountering bills that are reiterating the story that you're telling yourself that you need to keep saving because random random things will pop up. You need to make sure you're saving for an emergency because emergencies always pop up. No wonder why you're attracting events, you're attracting emergency situations where your money is being depleted. No wonder why when you save and save and save and save, you never seem to have enough because you believe that money is scarce. You believe that you can't have an abundance of money. You believe that you can't be rich. You believe that rich people are bad. And so the more that you're telling yourself these subconscious stories, the more that you are attracting a reality that reiterates and confirms your subconscious beliefs. So as much as we think that we are literally running the show in a conscious mind and a conscious understanding of our reality and the things that we want and things that we don't want, we are essentially going off of the subconscious stories that we're telling ourselves. So the, the truth is this shadow work is about rewiring those subconscious stories. It's part of unlearning the things that you have so ingrained in the back of your mind, so ingrained in your entire identity and being that they're causing you to attract things that you may not want to attract people, situations, opportunities that you may not want in your life. It's because of the subconscious stories that you have been telling yourself for years and years and years and years. So shadow work is the process of uncovering these traits that we have repressed, uncovering these beliefs that we have repressed, bringing them to the conscious level so that we can accurately address them, so that we can accurately deal with them once and for all. So one thing that I love about Jung's work is that he actually says that this process is not about eradicating the ego. So in the same way that if you've ever studied Buddhism, in the practice of Buddhism, The goal is not to eradicate the ego. It's not to kill the ego or to get rid of it entirely. The goal is actually more so incorporating that ego, incorporating the shadow within ourselves. I think when people talk about ego, there is this very, very negative outlook on the ego, right? And it makes sense, right? Because we attribute the ego to these you know, money beliefs or these stories that we tell ourselves or these things that really just aren't helpful when it comes to manifesting our dream life. So we talk about the ego as being very loud, very boisterous, very just like in the negative, thinks it knows everything, but really truly knows nothing about who we want to be, where we want to go and what we want to do. We talk about the ego as being a dream killer. And so there's no wonder that so many of us talk about eradicating the ego, about killing the ego. But what if we could actually re frame that conversation and understand that in being our authentic self, in understanding how to live a truly authentic life, we actually need to understand how to incorporate the shadow self, incorporate the ego into ourself. The ego is not a separate identity of yourself. Like This process is more like blending right it's more so blending the things together instead of seeing yourself as these multiple different parts okay higher self you know my intuition is over here uh, my guides over here god is over here ego is over here what if we were to see it as we can blend everything together we can mix it up in a pot and make soup okay analogy here's a fun analogy when you think about soup right you got your potatoes you got your carrots you got your celery some onions some some vegetable broth like you got all these different things right let's go maybe some chicken if you eat chicken some noodles um to go in your soup when you're making soup say you were to cook everything separately and have them in a separate bowl and someone you came over to someone's house and they had, you know the chicken in one bowl the carrots in one bowl the celery in one bowl they're like i made soup you're gonna look at them like Baby, no, you didn't. You made some boiled carrots. You made some boiled chicken. You made some boiled celery. There's some hot vegetable broth over here. Like that's not soup, right? That's, I mean, that's not how I define soup. That's probably not how you define soup. But if you were to come over to their house and there would be a pot and you would have everything in the pot blended together, flavors, mixing and melding and deliciousness in the pot, now it's a soup. Right now you can call that a soup. but it's the same thing. Like we, we have to stop seeing it as like shadow self and, and we want to kill off everything that's bad because every time we talk about our realities, there's this desire for people to want to be only in the positive, to only experience good, to only have goodness and greatness and, and positive moments and good vibes only in your life. Like, hello, hello. It's not all about that. How are we ever going to really, really understand what good is, what our definition of good is, if we refuse to acknowledge what bad is for us? Like, there's such a beautiful thing that happens when you really acknowledge both sides of the spectrum, when you also acknowledge everything in between. Because good and and bad and right and wrong, like that's so black and white, but the world isn't black and white. The world is full of color. There are so many different nuances. So in order for us to really experience the magnitude of what good can be for us, we have to understand that we have to be willing to look at the darkest depths of everything, the darkest depths of our soul, the darkest depths of who we truly are. And that is how we're ever going to get to the point where we can really and truly be in our light and shine as bright as we could. It's because we've taken the time to acknowledge the absolute darkness that exists within us. And it does exist. And you sitting here and ignoring it Or attempting to eradicate it, attempting to kill it off, is not really going to get you to the goal that you think is going to get you to. You're going to spend a lot of time repressing it even more. The more that you try to shun the darkness, the more that you try to kill the ego. You know what that does? Comes up even louder. Comes up even clearer. It comes up even more. You have to be willing to look at it. And want to blend it with yourself. And that doesn't mean that you're becoming a bad person, right? That doesn't mean that at all. That means that you are learning how to accept the parts of yourselves that you have repressed for years and years and years. You're learning how to accept this is my money story, but guess what? I can change that money story. You're learning how to accept the parts of yourself that you don't like because... In order for you to really rise up and again, be your most authentic self, you have to be willing to accept all the parts of yourself, not just the ones that you like. with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash Manifest Daily. That's drinkag1.com slash Manifest Daily. Check it out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it the shadow self, there are a couple of different behaviors that we could attribute to the shadow, you know, coming out to play, if you will. And those include a need to control, feeling hate towards other people, fear, which we know is a big one, anxiety, which is literally just fear, but in a different, you know, outfit, if you will, and being negative or always expecting the worst. So these are things that we label as negative in our society, right? No one likes to experience fear. No one likes to experience anxiety. And when you experience these things, right, right, these things that are sort of on the bad end of the spectrum, if you will, these are things that don't make you feel good. They make you feel low vibrational. And so you label them as bad. And that makes sense, right? We have, you know, labels for things to help us understand, but they're really just, emotions to to help us be self-aware. So when you notice I'm feeling fear or I'm feeling anxiety or I'm feeling this, it's less about trying to be like, I need to not feel the fear. I need to not feel anxious right now. Instead of trying to push yourself to not feel it, how about you try to accept what you're feeling? you try to feel it, you try to acknowledge it, you try to sit with that, you try to nurture yourself and you try to let it pass. I told you guys a couple of weeks ago that I was doing swim classes. I actually finished level one. I'm gonna do it again, I'll do level one again. But when I was doing my swim classes, one of the things that happened in the, I mean, this happened like throughout the whole thing, but like one of the first things that happened when I got there was I was feeling a lot of anxiety. I was feeling a lot of fear because I had been so terrified of the water for really a really long time. Instead of trying to push myself to be like, I need to be brave. I need to not feel the fear. I allowed myself to feel it. I got in the water and I acknowledged that. I said, I'm I'm really afraid right now. I I let it be known to my instructor. I said, I'm I'm afraid right now. But you know what else I said? I said, I'm going to feel that fear, but I also in the same breath know that I want to push myself. I want to challenge myself. And so when she would say, okay, you know, do you want to try this? Do you want to try putting your, your head in the water? I would be like, no, I don't really feel like I want to do that because I'm afraid. But deep down, I know I want to try it because I know I want to not feel afraid anymore. I'm acknowledging the feeling of fear, but I still allowed myself to put my head in the water. And when I did that, and when I did it a few more times, I was like, this isn't so bad. And so the fear took a step back. The fear was kind of going away on its own. And then she was like, okay, do you, do you want to try letting go and, you know, not holding on to the wall? And I was like, I, I'll try that, you know, because I I put my head in the water and that wasn't so bad. So maybe doing this isn't so bad. And so I did that. And then it wasn't so bad either. And I was like, okay. And then it was like, how about you try lifting up your legs? Like it was like, you know, taking the steps forward. But in each particular step that I took when I was swimming, I felt afraid until I no longer felt afraid. And every time there was something new that I had to try and every time there was a step up. I felt the fear, but instead of me trying to push it away, instead of me trying to be so angry at myself because I was afraid, instead of me feeling shame because I'm like, how am I sitting here with my grown self and I'm afraid of the water? Instead of saying all of those things to myself, you know what I did? I accepted the fear. I accepted it. I was like, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is my truth right now. And that's okay. Like, it's okay that I'm afraid, but I'm still going to push forward with what I want to do. I'm not going to let that fear hold me back because I know that I want to try this thing. But again, in that entire scenario, I didn't shame myself for what I was feeling. I didn't shame myself for for that feeling that was coming up that I wanted to no longer feel. So when it comes to practicing shadow work, there are a couple of different ways I want to talk about how you could do this in your everyday life. One of the biggest things when it comes to shadow work is the acknowledgement of what we're feeling and the acceptance of what we're feeling. So when we talk about negative emotions, again, we have such a desire, I think, in our society to Push people to not feel the negative. One that I saw the other day was a really interesting one. It was on the, the feeling of jealousy. And it was a tweet on Twitter. And someone was talking about how they saw a TikTok where someone was jealous of her friend. And, they, and the, the person stopped being friends with that person. They let them know, like, hey, I'm feeling this jealousy, I'm working through this. I, I'm going to take a step back from this friendship. And in the comments, there were so many people who were like, if that's truly your friend, you won't feel jealous. If you were really supportive of that person, you wouldn't feel jealous. That is a lie, okay? That's, that's what I choose to believe is that is a lie. If you choose to believe that your friends should never be jealous of you, that's what you choose to believe, but I don't believe that. I believe that jealousy is an emotion, right? This is an expression of the shadow self. Instead of shaming yourself and being like, oh my God, I shouldn't feel jealous of this person because that's my best friend. I shouldn't feel jealous of this person because that's whoever. How about observing it? accepting it and knowing that that doesn't define the love that you have for that person. It's one thing to feel the emotion, acknowledge and accept it. It's another to act on it. If someone is jealous and they choose to act in a very aggressive or negative way towards the person that they feel jealous of, that's a different story, right? Now, that's that's something else. But to simply feel that jealousy, to simply acknowledge and accept it, that is self-awareness. That's awareness of the shadow. And to take things further with the shadow work, now it's time to ask yourself some questions. Why am I feeling jealous? And what am I feeling jealous of? We talked about how with shadow work that you, we are often projecting, right? So we're often like, instead of us acknowledging negative traits within ourselves, we project. And so we can acknowledge them in other people. We can say, oh, that person is like so-and-so, but a lot of times it means you're also kind of like that too it's a hard pill to swallow, but a lot of times it does kind of mean that there's something there that you may not have worked through yet that you may also see within yourself. Of course, there's nuances and levels to that too, but just, you know, I'm kind of putting that out there. But when you're feeling jealous, what is it that you're actually jealous of? Are you jealous of the friend? Are you jealous of the opportunity? Or are you jealous of the way that they went about something? And I always see that as like an opportunity for an open conversation with a friend. Like, you know, maybe it's something where whatever you're feeling jealous about, Maybe you can ask them for some advice like, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this thing. I see that you've done it. I I love that for you, but I am feeling a bit of jealousy. Can you share some advice? Can you offer some words of wisdom? Can you offer me some inspiration? I would love to learn from you. Instead of looking at that as a moment for you to shame yourself for feeling a completely natural emotion... How about you look at that as an opportunity to have a vulnerable and honest conversation with your friend? How about you look at that as a chance for you guys to build a stronger bond, to get closer together, to dive into some deeper topics that maybe you haven't dive in, dive in, gone into before? Whatever. I don't know what the past tense of dive is. OK, I don't know it right now. Sorry. But like those are the moments that I'm talking about, like instead of shaming yourself, instead of being angry at yourself, instead of feeling guilty Talk about it. Be open. Talk about it with that person. Talk about it with yourself. Come to terms with that. Shadow work is about the acknowledgement, is about the acceptance because so many of us have, again, we've been taught to push it away. Instead of pushing it away, shadow work is literally the very opposite. Shine a flashlight on it. Look at it. Open your eyes. It's gonna be painful, it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be awkward, it might make you feel some things. But that is shadow work. That is part of the work of coming to terms with your shadow. You have to be willing to pull that band aid off, to shine that flashlight and to be like, I don't like this part of myself, I don't like this thing that I'm feeling, But how can I begin to accept it? So I mentioned diving deep and exploring the why. That's another big part of shadow work. So this can look like kind of looking towards your childhood or looking towards similar patterns of anything that's happened in your life to really see where you have noticed similar behaviors with yourself in the past and what that means for a reason why you are experiencing that. If you take the time to really go further back, you can often trace it back to a specific moment, a specific thing, or even just a lot of times it can be something that you've been taught in, you know, from society, from your parents, from your friends, whatever. And really taking the time to dive deep and ask yourself why I'm feeling this thing or why I'm acting on this or whatever is super helpful. It's such a simple step. And I think when people think about shadow work, I don't know, like, do you guys ever think that it has to be this major thing? It kind of doesn't. It's just these simple everyday moments when we get to ask ourselves why, where we get to acknowledge things, where we get to really dive deep with ourselves. Like, it doesn't have to be like, this big thing and a lot of the spiritual work when we talk about it, when we talk about manifestation, when we talk about quantum leaps, when you talk about changes in our life, it's the gradual moments. It's the moments where you're choosing to really dive deep with yourself, to ask yourself the right questions versus not. That's what, lead up, that's what leads us to better self-awareness, to better connection with God, to better connection with ourselves. Another thing with shadow work is that you can often have the conversations with yourself or journal it out. I'm someone that I love to talk out loud. So a lot of times I'll like either send voice notes to my friends or I'll kind of just like have moments where I speak out loud to myself. I'm kind of in that season versus journaling it out. But journaling it out has a really great benefit where you can look back at past journal entries and see the conversations that you had with yourself before. So journaling it out, having conversations with friends, making sure that you're in a space where you can be really vulnerable with whoever you're around and have these conversations with them and not feel judged, not feel guilty about it is really, really important. So whoever that may be for you could possibly be a therapist, could possibly be a parent, could just be a friend, whatever that means. When it comes to journaling, I actually have, let's see, I have five journal prompts I'm gonna share with you guys that I wrote down for shadow work. I also put these down in the show notes in the YouTube description as well, just in case you guys are not, um, maybe you're not in a place where you can write them down or something like that. So I'm gonna pull up my notes here. So the first shadow work journal prompt that I have is what are the worst traits someone can have according to you and when have you ever demonstrated those traits so again really this question is tapping into the idea and the understanding that a lot of times we project and so maybe the things that we don't like in other people are some of the things that we are repressing and refusing to acknowledge within ourselves second question is what are your parents worst traits and how do you demonstrate these traits touching on this idea of projection but more so getting to the root of maybe there were some things in your childhood you saw these traits acted out. You saw this pattern acted out and you are replicating it in your everyday life. Relationships, our relationship to anything, other people, objects, money, opportunities, mindsets. It all comes from what we learned in those very formative and young years. So really looking at the traits within your parents that you don't really like as much. I do this a lot because a lot of times like you know, people say, I don't ever want to be like my mom, or I don't ever want to be like my dad, because they have particular traits that you didn't like seeing growing up. I don't ever want my parents' relationship. But what we fail to realize is that in saying that and refusing to acknowledge and really tap into where we may be demonstrating these traits, we are calling in that reality for ourselves. The more we say we don't want it, the more we're really calling it in. So Taking the time to acknowledge where your parents showed up a certain way that you didn't like or how they showed up in their relationship and how that affected you and has affected you continuously in your adulthood is going to be really important during your process of shadow work. So third question is, when was the last time you self-sabotaged? What do you think triggered this behavior and what do you feel afterward? Self-sabotage. <laughs> I'll do another episode on that, okay? Because I have a lot to unpack there. Number four, who do you currently have a grudge against? Why and what is making it hard to let go? Another way you can frame this question is who am I currently angry at and why? Um, just really looking at those interpersonal relationships and really looking at how you're relating to other people, especially when it comes to negative, more negative emotions like anger or frustration and perhaps what traits or what things that person did to cause you to feel this way. Is there anything to unpack there? And the last question is, when was the last time you felt like a failure and how did you respond to feeling this way? I think this goes hand in hand with what we were talking about earlier when it comes to imposter syndrome failure or the feeling of being a failure, the feeling of not being accomplished enough often goes hand in hand with this idea of imposter syndrome. So when did you last feel like a failure? What caused you to feel that? And how did you actually deal with those feelings? Did you accept that you're a failure? Did you you know, feel the need to do more to prove yourself? Did you push yourself into burnout? How did you actually respond to that? And how did that situation work out for you? When have you ever observed that in the past? Those are some journal questions to help you guys with shadow work I really hope this episode was helpful because I wanted it to be something where you can understand that shadow work, the process of shadow work is not, not so exclusive. Like I think when I hear people talk about it, at least it sounds like this big thing and it's like, are you practicing shadow work? We should all be practicing shadow work. We should all be questioning ourselves, questioning our motives, questioning what we're feeling, why we're feeling it, and how we're actually acting towards those emotions that we are experiencing. This is self-awareness at its finest. This is self-acceptance at its finest. So don't feel the need to eradicate the ego. Don't feel the need to push those things away. That is part of yourself. Accept it. Accept it. Okay. And, um, that's how we move forward (laughs) that's literally it so again I hope this was super helpful for you guys I hope that you enjoy this episode I feel really good about this how this one turned out feel really good about being on the couch I'm kind of like rushing now not because I have to go to the movies it's 12 o'clock so I can I actually should probably leave now the movie theater is like 10 minutes away from me and It's a 1215 movie. So this is perfect timing, but I'm rushing because my camera tends to overheat and I don't want it to (laughs) overheat right now because then I'm going to have to like wait for it to cool down. But thank you so, so much, my loves, for being here, for tuning into this episode. I appreciate your support. I want you guys to remember that your words are really powerful. The way, the words that you tell yourself, the words that you speak to others about yourself, your identity, who you are, are powerful. I... And making sure that I'm very, very aware of what I'm saying to others about myself and what I'm saying to myself about myself because it because that's what's manifesting my reality. So make sure you're doing the same, being super self-aware. Was my shirt like this for the whole thing? Oh my goodness. Oh, all right. Well, my shirt was lopsided for this video, but it is what it is. <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys for being here. I appreciate you so, so much. I will chat with you in the very next episode. If you enjoyed this one, I would truly appreciate a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. You can leave a review with the words. Um, That helps with the ranking of the show and more people discovering the show, of course. Share with a friend if you really enjoyed this one, especially someone who's working through some of that shadow work as well. And of course, if you're on YouTube, please, please, please leave a comment. I would love to chat with you guys there. Um, Subscribe and like this video and get excited because I am working with a designer on a new YouTube intro, so it won't be ready for this video, but it should be ready for the next one. So stay, stay tuned for that. I'm super excited. All right. This is like a long outro. Oh my God, I'm sending you guys hugs, massive hugs. I'll chat with you guys in the very next one. Bye, my loves. what if